Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. So glad that you all could be with me today. I'm really excited today because I know some of you have wondered about this, and I'm, I think I've got something that's really going to help you today. Would you like to absolutely know if you're hearing from God or if it's some other voice, your own or somebody else's that you're listening to? You're going to find out today. Now, to kind of uh, set the stage for this, when I'm recording this here in Lawrence, Kansas, we're just starting to loosen up the restrictions for the COVID-19 virus. We're in phase 1.5. You'll actually watch and see this a few weeks after I record it, and hopefully we'll be into phase two or more. Right now, some more places are opening. All of us are hoping we can get back to normal the way things were with restaurants and churches and hair salons and friends and worship places opening. Now, it will be a new normal. There's going to be a lot of precautions taken. There'll be a lot of cleansing, for example, and restaurants, chairs and tables and cooking utensils and appliances and stuff like that will all have to be super cleaned often, which which is a good thing anytime. I've been fascinated to find out that Amazon has built a robot now uh, with a UV light. It looks like a hotel luggage cart, but instead of uh, suitcases on the cart, there are at least 10 large UV lights, and they're on this robot-type cart. They're already using it in warehouses and grocery stores around the country, and they use it at night when it's not open because the light is so powerful it would kill human beings, but it's a UV light that exposes any and all viruses and bacteria and totally kills it and cleanses the place. They're working on what they call a far UVC light. Actually, they've got some tests of this up already in in some restaurants and uh, beauty salons and places like that, dentist office, that doesn't hurt people. It's UV lighting in the ceiling, but it does deterge or completely clean and disinfect all the surfaces in the air. Uh, Deterge is a word I didn't know about before until the virus. It's where we get detergent from. But it's the verb that means to totally clean and disinfect everything. There's actually even a little UV pen light that people use and they click on it a few times in a vial of water and it kills all the germs in it and makes the water drinkable. Well, you've probably heard from a lot of different people that we're to listen to the science and go with the science, which is true. Of course, uh, science is changing all the time because we get (laughs) new uh, sets of data on what's happening. And some of the things that we first heard were completely out of date or even completely wrong. So here's in my layman's understanding how the scientific process has played out. First, the scientists needed to identify what it was that was making people sick and killing them. 
In other words, if somebody gets sick, you can't just give them massive amounts of penicillin or Z-packs or concentrated aspirin or something. I mean, you got you got to know whether the medicine you give them is going to help them or hurt them. Then they had to figure out where it came from. And so they've done that now. They've figured out. So once you figure out those two things, then you can start to try some things to see what will detergent or cleanse it or eradicate it. So we know now what it is. It's a COVID-19. We know where it came from, a lab in China, and we're learning how to treat it, more effective treatments, and they're working on it a lot. And of course, the big thing is they're working on a vaccine for everybody. And until we get that cure and that vaccine, we can start to open up society some more. But we have to be really diligent about deterging or completely and thoroughly cleansing things. Now, there are other things I have that I'd like to deterge, like my car. It's kind of dirty this time of year. I haven't uh, got to wash it for a while. There's no need in, in washing it when it's muddy outside and raining all the time and that kind of stuff because I keep my car outside. I'd like to deterge my closet. I mean, it's not filthy, but there's dust on some clothes that I haven't worn for a long time and that kind of stuff. Those are all physical things, of course. Some people want their legal record deterred, or the legal term for that is expunged, which means to erase or completely remove something unwanted and unpleasant, like a criminal record. Did you know that religious institutions can do that to people? They call it expunged. I have dear friends who were involved in a church that they grew up in, and they started understanding the goodness of God and God's inclusion and unconditional love and total reconciliation for everyone. And the people in that religious organization didn't want them there anymore. And so they removed them from the roles. That's called expunging them. They were expunged, and they couldn't be involved anymore. They were told they were unclean and to stay away. We're going to learn about another instance of somebody being told they were unclean and to stay away as we get along a little further today. So let's start to look at spiritual cleansing or spiritual deterging. Until Jesus finished work at the cross 2,000 years ago, religion, all religion, the Hebrew religion, all other religions that worship different fictitious gods, religion was all about getting and staying clean. They knew that they would, there were different things they could do, they thought that would offend their gods, gods that didn't exist, and that they needed to stay clean and not offend their gods. And when they, when they messed up, they needed to offer sacrifices to make up for that. Being unclean was like worse than having leprosy. That was true with the Jewish religion too. Now, I want to ask you, do you think it's possible for you yourself or a religious organization or institution, a, a priest, a church council, a church board, to deterge or make you clean, completely cleanse your spiritual record, all your transgressions and sins and trespasses, and make you right with God? No, it's not. It's humanly impossible. One time in Jesus' ministry, this is in all the Gospels, I'm going to quote from Mark 10, 17 to 31. Just summarize it. The disciples and Jesus were out traveling from one place to another, and a wealthy young businessman rode up to them, I guess on a horse. Think like Elon Musk today. Young, wealthy, got it all. And he had heard about Jesus, probably even seen him, and he said, good teacher, how do I get eternal life? I want what you have. I want to be right with God. 
And I can just see the kind of twinkle in Jesus' eye. And he says, well, you know what the law says? Keep all the laws. The guy says, I've done all of that. And Jesus, of course, the guy hadn't. But Jesus said, okay, well, now, then what you need to do is to sell everything you've got, all your riches, give to the poor, and follow me. And the young man's face fell, and he was very sad, and he went away very sad. What did Jesus do? Did he condemn him or shame him or call down fire from heaven? Now, the text in Mark says, Jesus looked at him and loved him as he does everybody, just like he loves you and me and Elon Musk and everybody else. I'm not using Elon Musk for any other reason than he's rich and he's young. All right. At that time in the Jewish culture, and actually it had been that way ever since the nation of Israel started in the Jewish culture, they believed that the biggest, greatest sign that you were right with God and that you were favored by God and that God loved you was that you were rich, that you were financially successful, that you had money, that you had land, that you had cattle, whatever it was that you traded in. They believed that was a surefire indicator that you were right with God and you were inheriting eternal life, as they use the phrase sometimes. And Jesus said to the disciples after this guy left, he said, you know what? It's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the disciples, that just blew their mind. That fried their brains. They went, no, no, no. It's the other way around. The rich people are the most favored by God. Jesus said, nope, it's impossible for them to get right with God. And the disciples said, well, then who can get right with God? Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. I can just see him pausing for a minute for effect and kind of raising his eyebrows and smiling and saying, but with God, it's possible for everybody. It's possible for all, not only possible. Well, it was possible then because Jesus hadn't done his finished work. But once he did his finished work, that possibility turned into a reality. So spiritually, we're going to go through the same process. We want to identify what it is that's affecting or diseasing or killing people spiritually, what it is that's stealing and killing and destroying our relationship with God, what exactly is the spiritual virus. Because until we correctly identify it, we can do what religion does. We can try heavy doses of religious penicillin and z packs like fasting and prayer and sacrifice and giving a huge percent of your income and trying hard to cleanse yourself. But it doesn't work. It actually harms. It steals and kills and destroys. What actually is the spiritual virus? What people in Jesus' day called the sin of the world. What is it? Well, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. It's missing the mark. The Greek word is harmartia. It's missing the mark or falling short, not believing in the only true God who is perfect love, all good, inclusive, all grace, who's in union and oneness with everyone, and there's nothing bad. That's what the sin of the world is. It's not murder or rape or pillaging or what. No, though, those are all results that come out of people when we don't know who God is and who we are and who everybody else is. But the spiritual virus, the total one overriding spiritual virus is missing the mark, 
and believing in a false God, a religious God, instead of the only true God. Jesus said in John 16, the night before he died, he said, now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he did just shortly after that. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to live in you. And the Holy Spirit will convince us of that sin, of missing the mark, something totally different than what religious people taught at the time. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to convince you of missing the mark of believing that you're already righteous, missing the mark of believing that God, Papa love, Jesus love, the Holy Spirit, God, it's not believing that they are all good, all for you, that they love unconditionally, that they've already included you and forgiven you and have done that for everyone. Not believing that, Jesus said, is the sin of the world. And instead, conversely, believing in religion, any religion, including the Jewish religion, Instead, believing in religions angry, punitive, distant, separate, vindictive, wrathful God that has to be appeased, that is sin. That is the deadly spiritual virus, and it will kill us today if we believe in it. All right, so that's what Jesus identified the deadly spiritual virus is, and Jesus was the king of all scientists, right? So next— Where did it come from? We need to know where it came from. It came from the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So who is the enemy? Don't speak too quickly. In John chapter 9, the whole chapter is about Jesus relating to a man who was born blind and Jesus healing him and giving him his sight back and a huge celebration after that. But it happened on a Sabbath. And then going on into John chapter 10, the first nine verses of John chapter 10 carry on with that. So before Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come to give you eternal life. Everything leading up to that is talking about the real enemy, where the virus comes from. The real enemy is religion, not religious people but the institution of destructive religion that started with Adam and Eve when they quit believing the truth about God and came up with their idea of an angry God and religion, which is trying to gain and maintain a right relationship with that angry God that has to be appeased. The religious leader in Jesus' day who believed in the false God, Jesus said, none of you guys, you don't know who the real God is. They were led by the Pharisees, and in John chapter 9, they got really angry when Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath. They said, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't break our laws and heal somebody on the Sabbath. They refused to believe in a good God. They said, we're not followers of that kind of a God. They actually said, we're followers of Moses and Moses' law. They believe that God is angry, punitive, separate, distant, judgmental, list-keeping. He's a vengeful deity that has to be appeased. And they were literally, the text says, they were enraged at Jesus and the blind man himself. They said to him, you were born a blind, filthy sinner. And they expunged him. They forcefully threw him out of the temple and onto the street and said, you're unclean and you're not welcome. They believed in a small-g religious god who, according to them, would cause a person to be born as a sinner and born blind. They were purveyors of the deadly spiritual virus, 
religion that believes the lie of separation, that believes an angry, distant, punitive, list-keeping, judgmental deity that everybody should be afraid of. Have you ever believed in that God, that small g God? See, that's how the spiritual virus spreads. Religion is the agent of the enemy that steals and kills and destroys. The virus is missing the mark of perfect love, inclusion, grace. Until Jesus came, that was normal. That was everybody's way of life. Jews, Gentiles who believed in the sun god or the moon god or the goddess Diana or whatever, all believing in false gods. Nobody knew the only true God. That was their normal way of life. That came from Adam and Eve. And it seemed normal to them, but to God it was abnormal. Jesus, of course, the great physician, the infectious disease guru, and the greatest scientist ever, knew what the real virus was. And he knew that only he, only God, could do something about it, isolate it, heal it, cure it, do away with it, have a once-for-all spiritual vaccine. His vaccine is perfect. And he created enough doses— just spoke them into existence for all people and administered it to all people one time for all 2,000 years ago when Jesus finished work at the cross. He did away with the old, the old normal. Second Corinthians 5 tells us the old is gone, the new is here, and all this is from God. We're new creations. Welcome to the new, Bart Millard and uh, his group Mercy Me sings. All this is from God. At his finished work at the cross, Jesus reconciled everybody. God cured everybody. He deterred, cleansed us. The old record's gone as far as the east is from the west. There's no record of it. Doesn't remember it or hold it against us. There's only the new. Jesus took the deadly virus on himself, into himself, entered into the very core of it, and eradicated it, killed it. He died with it. He totally eradicated it one time for all. That's really good news. Now, remember, when Jesus came, or Jesus was talking to those religious leaders one time, Matthew eleven twenty seven, and another time in John, he said, nobody knows the real God. Nobody knows. And then he said, if you're tired and burned out on religion, come to me, and I'll give you the vaccine. So I'm telling you straight up, the new normal is you and all people are completely clean, pure, whole, faultless, included. There's no separation. You've been reconciled. You're in union with. You're one with the Trinity. Don't be tempted to go back to the old normal, the way things were. Yeah, we want to go back to the old normal as far as going to ball games and restaurants and barbershops and stuff like that. But don't be tempted to want to go back to the old spiritual normal, the way things were. Live like who you are. You're a new creation. You're free. You should have no fear, and I'm not shooting you into this, I'm not shaming you, but because of what God made possible, we don't have to have any fear or worry or guilt or shame or condemnation or separation, no angst at all. Is that possible? Yes, it is. With God, that's not only possible, it's a done deal. Jesus did it all. Now, I know that a lot of you listening today, and I appreciate you hanging with me, you know that. For those of you who don't, you've probably just had your brain fried. But I hope you'll continue to explore this. But here's a question for me and for you. Why would you ever want to go back to the old normal? Sometimes I think back, well, man, I'd like to go back and hear the great organ music and hear the big choir sing. And those are great. Those are fine. But when I do, then I hear a mixed message with a lot of the old virus in it. And I've got to be really careful about that because that old message is just 
repulsive to me now. The old normal is gone. I'll read it to you, Matthew eleven twenty-seven to 31 from the message. Jesus said, nobody in that system then, and I believe today, no one knows the son the way the father does. Nobody knows the father. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who is willing to listen. Then he says these famous words, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the message translation by Eugene Peterson. And I love it. That Boy, that's really good. All right. Once we know that we're healed, once we know God and Jesus and we've come to them and they show us that we've already been healed, immune, we still need to be diligent. Don't go back to the old normal. Don't listen to those who try to convince us of the old normal. Paul said, love people like that. We love all people. He said, I love the Jewish people. I love the Judaizers, but I'm not going to let them affect me. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the mirror version, he wrote this. Don't be distracted by a message that excludes the revelation of the resurrection and all of Jesus' finished work, yielding yourselves to the persuasive conversation of others. Their negative influence in your lives would be inevitable. You're well forever, but negative influencers can steal, kill, and destroy your revelation of that truth. Objectively, they can't make you sick again, but subjectively, they can influence you to believe you're sick when you're not. John 13, the beginning of the Last Supper discourse, Jesus washed the disciples' feet and Peter said, no, 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 you can't, you, no, you shouldn't wash me, I don't wash your feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you're not part of me. And he says, well, all right, then clean me, give me a bath all over. Jesus says, no, you're already clean. You have been washed completely. You just need to have your feet cleansed. In reality and symbolically, your feet is where in the everyday life, when you're walking, you come in contact with filth. You've got to be detoxed or deterred from all of that stuff. John 15, 3, a couple of chapters later, the night before he died, Jesus told the disciples, he says, the words I've spoken to you have cleansed you. And that would manifest in less than 24 hours when he said it. Then there's the guy, Saul, who had the worst case of religious virus ever. Jesus came to him, if you will, in the emergency room and knocked him off his feet with a bright shining light and administered his vaccine, changed his name to Paul. And then here's what Paul later wrote about that. He wrote this to Titus chapter three, verses four to eight. He said, when the extraordinary compassion of God, our savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day, he came to save us, not because of any virtuous deed that we've done, but only because of his extravagant mercy. He saved us, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We're made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus, the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, innocent before his face, we're now heirs of all things, all because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. He says, how true and faithful is this message, this overpowering light, he said, like the UV light, 
just shined on him, knocked him off his horse, not because anything that he had done. It was all God. And he got this washing, this cleansing, this rebirth from the Holy Spirit. What Boy, what a great picture, and it's so relevant for today. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 26. He says, God made, past tense, God made us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the living word of God in the mirror. 1 John 1, 7-9, John says, We are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light, that spiritual UV light, that engulfs God. When we see the light in His light, fellowship ignites. He said, In His light, we understand how the blood of Jesus Christ is the removal of every stain of sin. The success of the cross celebrates our redeemed innocence. He goes on to say, to claim innocence by our own efforts under the law of personal performance is to deceive ourselves and deliberately ignore the truth. He says, the truth about you doesn't mean that you now have to go into denial if you've done something wrong. No. He says, when we communicate what God says about our sins, we discover what he believes concerning our redeemed oneness and innocence. We are cleansed from every distortion we believed about ourselves. Our original likeness is redeemed. See, all the analogies there of light, the powerful light, like that UV light killing COVID-19, Jesus' life, exposed the dirty spiritual virus and eradicated it and cleanses it. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 8 then. All right, now, let this be your conclusive reasoning. Consider that which is true about everyone as evidenced in Christ. Live overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. Acquaint yourself with the revelation of righteousness. Realize God's likeness in you. Make it your business to declare mankind's redeemed innocence. Think friendship. Discover how famous everyone is in the light of the gospel. Mankind is in God's limelight. Ponder how elevated you are in Christ. Study stories that celebrate life. Now, I want to close with something that has really helped me, and I believe will really help all of you, to realize how you're totally clean. Get quiet. Get away by yourself in a still place, still room. No distractions, no devices, no TV or anything or whatever. And then listen, but instead of listening to science, as we're told today, listen to God. Now, I tell that to people, and sometimes they say, well, how do I know when I'm hearing from God or just hearing from myself or hearing what I want to hear or hearing from some false spirit or something like that? And that's an extremely valid question. I want you to get this. This is worth your time for spending a half an hour with me. Any and everything you hear from God will be about how you are already totally loved unconditionally. You are already perfectly clean. You are faultless. You're without sin. You're totally pure. You are right with God, loved unconditionally, and included in the divine triune circle dance of love in all of its expressions. Everything you will hear about how God totally loves you and delights in you, and it's all good. That's the primary way you can know if you're hearing from Jesus, Papa, the only true God, who is love. Now, on the other hand, anything you might hear when you get quiet like that and you listen, anything that you might hear that condemns you, 
causes you to fear, be ashamed, worry, feel separation, feel judged, feel excluded, makes you feel like you haven't done enough and that God's really displeased with you and he demands more, makes you feel like you've displeased God and God's angry and disappointed in you and going to pour out wrath on you and punish you and do the same thing to other people. None of that is from God. That's the filthy lie of the enemy that destructive religion puts out. And it intends to steal and kill and destroy the truth about the only true God who is love and who is good. Nothing bad in it. Don't play that game. Just don't play it. Jesus said, don't take those thoughts. Reject them. Ask Jesus to take them captive and take them away. That's like Jesus washing your feet after you're totally clean, but you get out in the world and you hear some voices from your past or somebody who's well-meaning but ill-informed in a religious setting and telling you all this kind of stuff that you're talking about is wrong. Listen to me, I'm right. Now, Jesus will take those away like washing your feet. And then just stay still and ask the Holy Spirit of Christ, who is love, in you to speak the truth to you. Listen to the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of unconditional love, the spirit of peace and joy. And you will learn and hear the unforced rhythms of grace. That's how you can tell if you're hearing from God or somebody else. That's the new normal. Hearing from the only true God who is perfect love and who is totally for you and loves you unconditionally. That's the new normal. Thanks, everybody. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.